1: salads
0: generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option
2: i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me
1: get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
2: So where were you 50 years ago this weekend? I would have been hitchhiking with my friend Will down to Clacton-on-Sea in Essex uh, in order to go to the Wheelie Pop Festival. Generally considered to be one of the low points (laughs) in pop festival history. Although, of course, we loved it. We absolutely loved it when we were 17. We thought it was fantastic. You know, The Faces, T-Rex, Edgar Broughton, Colosseum, Juicy Lucy, The Groundhogs. Have you got the full bill there in front of you? Because it, I haven't it's got still, it in front of me. No, I
0: can not It's absolutely astonishing how many acts were at the Wheelie Festival. Shall I because see if I can find it? See if crazy. you can find it. Because Hang on a second. This was obviously the same summer as George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh. I think it give you an idea of how uh, what short notice things were arranged at in those days that people decided that they too would put together some massive go. rock, rock jamboree in aid of you know disaster relief and so forth and they they did it at similarly short notice and I think this was put together by the it's round time. table. The round table. of no, the I think Rotary. it's the round table. Here yeah, I just found the, the thing. Here two. we
2: are. The faces. T-Rex. King Crimson. Right. Go, go, go slowly. Go slowly. T-Rex.
0: We what. Can you go from the bottom of the bill? Can you? Oh, do Bottom that? of the bill.
2: Can yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. We will. now, Tudor Lodge. Tudor Lodge. Yeah. Is this ringing any bells? Castle. Don't remember them actually. Principal Edwards Magic Theatre. Who I saw. Of
0: course. Of course.
2: of with that. With their non-hit Kettering uh the natural acoustic band oh yes uh the groundhogs of course Hackensack. Hackensack. oh yeah uh I, it's in such small type i can't quite read it crow fairfield parlor no fairfield parlor. fairfield parlor fusion orchestra yeah um al stewart arthur brown's kingdom come barclay james harvest and symphony orchestra oh lord playing uh, Mockingbird. I can remember that vividly, Head, hand, head Hands and Feet. Um, um, yeah, was, that Ch- was that Chaz? that Chaz. Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. Chaz, wasn't not it? Those, yeah, just, he was yeah. Status Quo, Stray. Then of course, Rory Gallagher, because he was compulsory at every festival. Quintessence, Stone the Crows, Van de Graaff Generator, Coliseum, Curved Air, Edgar Broughton, Grease Band, Mungo Jerry, Mungo Jerry, of course, was the reason I think it all happened, because Mungo Jerry had been booked by the Clacton Roundtable for their um, their charity event, hoping to get 5,000 people to raise a bit of money. And then I think what happened was the Isle of Wight Festival planned for 1971 was cast. Uh, we're
0: going to have to start this again, because you'd know more. Good. This is good. All right. Good. I think we should start this again. OK. So I thought it was done. I was thought it was done in response to... Uh,
2: no, no, Advocate. it was because the festival was... Closed. OK. Alex, get, we're going to start I've got to get yes. this... Get I'm the whole get the, list up get there. Get the bill a bit bigger. And there the there right. I've made a note. Okay, let, me, let
0: me see if I can find it as well. I've got the uh, bill. I've got it, yeah. Because I think it's really funny
2: to go through the whole
0: bill because yeah, yeah. the can staggering number it? of people who are on is... Um, Felix,
2: mop the hoopal. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I've got it here. I've got it. No, it was because the Isle of Wight was cancelled that all these people were evaded. Oh, okay. That's what happened, I think. Yeah.
0: I'm going to, uh, okay, we'll go all through right. it. I'm going to read from the bottom of the bill and then, yeah, I get Yeah, I'm looking at a bill here. I don't know if you're looking at the same one as I'm looking at. Can you see that? Can you see that?
2: Uh, wait a minute.
0: A look at what I'm looking at first.
2: That's the one I'm looking at. Right, okay. Yeah. So we can I can do the I can do the uh Let the just give in, me the two seconds in. just to get this yeah, back up. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Oh, Wait a second. I've now got to get that where I can see it. Uh no. Fuck. Oh dear. Wait a minute. Oh, sorry, I've got about 8 million things open. Why do you close some of them? From? Uh, because I need them all, actually. <laughs> there we are. That's... Oh, no, no, no. Get back to that. Nearly there. Right. Okay, let's roll. Go. Cool. So where were you 50 years ago this week, Mark? <laughs> Fifty years ago this week, I would have been on a, a, a lay-by on the way to Clacton-on-Sea in Essex. Why were my you going old, to
0: Clacton-on-Sea <laughs> in Essex, Mark?
2: With my old mate, William, William Thompson, we were going just to the Wheelie Festival. How old were you, Mark? I was uh, 17. 17. And, uh, yeah, was, 17. It, was this your first festival? Uh, no, no, I'd done Reading, of course. Oh, okay, of cool. uh, No, I think it's my second festival. We were—I mean, we, we really didn't even know who was on. But the point was, you had—it was a festival. Just going to a festival was the exciting thing.
0: But you didn't have to know who was on, because Mark, because the answer was, as we're about to demonstrate. Everybody, everybody, everybody was on. <laughs> every single I, person. I, I've got in front of me, as have you. I have, I've just the, opened the, it up the, yeah. the bill of fare for the Wheelie Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to start reading the names at the bottom in a kind of condensed font. These are the ones at the bottom. Yeah, and Briggs, Asagai, being don't remember them, Bell and loads of these misspelled, Comus, Country Jug, Crow. Fairfield, Fairfield Parlor, Fusion, Fusion. <laughs> Orchestra. No, <laughs> Fusion Orchestra. <laughs> Fusion Augustine. Orchestra. Jerry Lofran, Ganidra Log, of Gnidra course. Ganidra I remember Log. vividly. Hackensack. Gringo Louise, Mike Moran, the Natural, Natural Acoustic Band. Band, Paul Brett Sage, Principal Edwards Magic Theatre. Who I distinctly remember. Ricotti and Albuquerque. Tina Nogue, because you had to have Tina yeah, Nogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lodge. Lodge. Steve Tilston, Vecchio. I have no, remem- me- no, no memory no, of no, Vecchio. Nor of Home, nor oh, of Oh, yes, Home, I remember. Oh, home, do you remember Home? home? made okay. two albums on CBS. Okay. Castle, Mike Saunders, Saturday's special guest. This is extraordinary.
2: Saturday's special guest, Julie Felix. That's extraordinary. Good. Julie That's Felix. good. And, and Saturday's other special guest. Was, Ma- was, no, was, Julie Felix was Sunday. She, Saturday was not the Hoople. There you go, Sunday special guest. There okay, you go. so those
0: were the, those are the kind of foot soldiers down there. They were the poor bloody yep. infantry of this particular you know, military catastrophe. So but nearing me- the summit,
1: Al ah, well, Stewart.
0: Yeah, uh, no, we're not, Mark. Let's make this clear. We're know we near the summit no, yet. We're in the foothills. No, we're in the foothills. We might be at base camp here. Here yeah. we go. Okay. Yeah.
2: Over to you, Mark. Go on, yeah, Al, Stewart, Al who Stewart. I can. I still remember that doing Love's Chronicles, Arthur Brown's Kingdom Come, which I can remember. Barclay James Harvest, who came on with a symphony orchestra and played Mockingbird. That did was have, that that did. actual orchestra. Can you imagine? It was ridiculous. Head, hands, and feet. Who I think was Chaz uh, Chaz's Chaz group, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Juicy Lucy, uh, of course. Status Quo, Stray, and then yeah. into the dizzy heights. We're, we're almost. We're, get, we're
0: getting near. We're probably getting towards. We're Wembley. Who had their own uh, caravan in which to change? You know, that's I mean? right. The, the rest of them just got changed in the toilets. I would imagine there were so many acts there at Wheelie. There were. But, but when we get to the next acts, Caravan and Linda's Farm probably were in a position to demand their
2: own, you know, dressing room or special. Vandergrift generator, They probably got towels, maybe okay. cheese sandwiches and pork pies. Stone the Crow's got soap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quintess has got a trouser press. Corby trouser press.
0: <laughs> R- Rory Gallagher was probably allowed to drive his van
2: somewhere near the back of the stage, and they somebody delivered some buns to his tent. I should. Imagine.
0: And then, yeah. and then, and then we have Mungo Jerry. Now, you think this whole thing started with Mungo
2: Jerry? Well, I do because I think what happened was the story was that the, the, the Clacton Round Table the good burgers (laughs) of, had had a charity event every year and had had quite a lot of success the year before. Thought they'd go a bit bigger and get a pop group. So I think they'd hired Mungo Jerry, who were, of course, riding high at the time, weren't they, in the summer, Yeah, absolutely. And they had Mungo Jerry. they worked out they got this field and they could accommodate 5,000 people. They thought they'd make a bit of money. And then what happened was that there was going to be another Isle of Wight festival. And various groups were therefore pencilled in for that. That was cancelled, I think, quite near the time when it was going to happen. And a huge number of rock and roll bands were released onto the market, <laughs> mooching about <laughs> in their comma vans and their, and their old beaten-up VWs, thinking, uh, you know, we, uh, where and can do I, we play? I tell you what, this is really interesting
0: because most of them probably had nowhere to live. You know I mean? They just needed to play. This exactly. is, a, this is a, little, a little bit like, you know, the terrible... Do you remember the uh, post 9-11 when all the planes had to find somewhere to land? There yes, wasn't, yes. There, there wasn't enough There wasn't enough airfield space for them to land. It was a bit like that with rock and roll bands in 1971 because it worked on the basis that at any point, 30% of them were actually on stage. You know, well, stage. Yeah,
2: exactly. You they had nowhere to live. No, I, I, and we're all basically meeting up again every weekend in a different rainy field <laughs> somewhere, you know. <laughs> And, uh, no, that's what happened. And then they, they huge numbers of acts were booked. And probably they probably got them quite cheaply, I think, because they were just, you know, they were available. And as you say, what was it? You either play this or just go
0: home. So Mungo Jerry ended up kind of halfway and, uh, the, down the bill, really. Mungo Jerry,
2: halfway down. Then it was the they, Groundhogs.
0: The Groundhogs, probably. of whom more later. More
2: later. Uh,
0: the Grease Band. The Great Grease Band. You know, they never made it on their own, but, boy, they were good. No, um, I've him uh, several times. Edgar, Edgar Broughton, of Edgar course, have awesome. demons out. You were not allowed to have a festival without the presence of Edgar Broughton. Yeah, yeah. The police would turn up if you didn't have Edgar Broughton on the bill. Curved Air with uh, the lovely Sonia Christina. Sonia
2: Christina. be uh, uh, Stuart
0: Copeland, possibly playing drums. No, uh, be before uh, you,
2: his time. Yeah, maybe. possibly before his yeah. time. Coliseum, the mighty Coliseum, fantastic. John oh,
0: Heisman's love. Coliseum, and then the three top acts. King Crimson, The Faces, and of whom more later, T Rex. T Rex. Now, first of all, there were so many acts, were are not, that the only way they could accommodate them all was the. Non stop kid-
2: music. They- <laughs> the- music. Sounds great. When you got there, I said, hey, hey, amazing man. Uh, the music's going to start like Friday afternoon. It's not going to end until Monday morning. It's so, like non stop. Oh, fantastic. Not fantastic. Not fantastic at all because it meant all night. I mean, just, it never stopped. And of course, you couldn't escape the music because the whole structure of festivals in those days is you only had one stage. It's not like you wander around and go to different <laughs> stages. True. There was one stage, so therefore you had to camp you had to pitch your little spot, you bag your spot as near the stage as you could do. Also, there are no screens. So you couldn't see anybody in close up. You couldn't see them in the distance. And if you lost your space, you know, if you went off to the loo or something, or you, I don't know, just went off and put your tent up overnight and, and came back hoping you'd find the space that you were occupying the day before, you'd be out of luck. So people just tended to stay absolutely rigidly guarding <laughs> their little plot for the entire three days. Oh God, it seems ridiculous now. So didn't it? you
0: didn't you tell me that the, the ground dogs actually took the stage about three, three o'clock in the
2: morning? <laughs> three in the morning. I can remember it really well. Oh, it was unbelievable. And there were so many features of that festival that that just summed up just how catastrophically disorganized and kind of under underfunded those those events were. You know, dare I tell you about the latrines? I mean, yes, it's yeah, Anybody went. I remember when I was uh, at Q, and um, Paul Denoyer was there, and, and Andy Gill, and we'd all been to Wheelie. We were all roughly the same age, and uh, it was one of those bonding things. You felt like people who must have fought in, you know, military campaigns in the in the past. You know, survivors of Gallipoli or whatever. You know, that if you'd survived Wheelie and was able to just laugh about it now, that was a wonderful thing. But the latrines were literally a trench dug in the in the ground. Over which um, a scaffolding pole was uh, was 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 dangled, upon which one perched if one wanted to make a deposit. I mean, it's just absolutely shocking when you think about it. There's no appalling There was there was a farmer I can remember outside, opportunistic farmer selling what he called sleeping bags, and the sleeping bags were were uh, empty fertilizer sacks, which of course were paper paper sacks, still partly full of fertilizer. Now, what use? is a a, a paper bag in the pouring rain in the middle of the field, you know, when you're waiting for the groundhogs to come on. Not much. 10p. I mean, it's astonishing, isn't
0: it? So Um, the the real headliners should have been the faces, but somebody at the last minute thought, no, T-Rex are kind of... The ha- hip and the happening, they were huge in the middle of 1971. They had loads Which of, I remember being pretty
2: disastrous, heads.
0: actually. It was a cause total the, disaster. Yeah,
2: because the faces were fabulously hip and everybody loved them. And there was still a kind of underground concept, you know, Rod booting his footballs into the crowd. And T Rex, of course, had had some hits and beat on. Top and that up was the and worst thing you could possibly. Worst do. thing you could do is I can remember coming on a, he's, I think Marple says, "Hello, you might recognise us from television or something like that." And I can remember the the the, the raucous uh, the booing, uh, and I can remember I can remember um, my first sight of uh, plastic bottles. Uh, spinning plastic bottles with the tops off, full of warm wee raining down on the stage. And he just thought, this is absolutely terrible. So they Rain went down dreadfully. I know, absolutely appalling. So they Warm
0: wee down. raining down Rain on wee. the, the, the
2: bopping elf. And the, elf. the, the, and the other thing was that the, the Hells Angels were in charge. Of course. So we course, got, were told that, were. Oh, you yeah. know, that security was the Hells Angels. Hells Angels had taken over this, this um, broken down old ruined church in the middle of the field. These uh, grotesque gap-toothed orcs in their, in their, in their finery and uh, looking extremely uh, aggressive. And then there was a big turf war broke out between the people who ran the burger stores. Of course, there was no food. So you couldn't buy any food on site. I can't remember there being food. There might have been one vegetable store. But otherwise, you bought, William and I brought two uh, uh, loaves of white sliced bread and about 10 cans of sardines. And that was it to see us through the weekend. And uh, there was a turf war that broke out between the, the people who owned the vans and the security that had been hired to um, you know, to, to look after them versus the, the Hells Angels. And I can remember Hells Angels motorcycles were smashed up with steak hammers. And uh, I think one of them was set on fire. So, you know, that was uh, that was all pretty exciting. And he thought, my God, is this, uh, you know, you look back at it now, I just I cannot believe it. You know, you anything like that was allowed to happen. As a tell you what, though, health terror... and safety risk. You know, the, the irony is, you know,
0: fifty years later, and we're recording this on Sunday morning, and yeah. uh, and waking up to the news of that they've had to, they had to call off the highly organised um, welcome back New York concert. In Central Park, which was put together by Clive Davis and featured Bruce Springsteen and Earth Wind and Fire and Elvis Costello and Patti Smith and probably about forty different you know musical acts, you know and this was supposed to be New York post-COVID great celebration. Well, the weather front coming in from the Atlantic was so threatening that they had to call it off halfway through halfway through Barry Manilow's act, I think. So. It just goes to show, doesn't it? Doing anything outdoors uh, is always a
2: liability, even fifty years later,
0: with all the organisation in the world. You know that can that can still happen. You know, we,
2: we, but at least they would have had some provisions. There might have been toilets. There might have been food. <laughs> well, I they, remember going to Glastonbury. Going to Glastonbury for the first time in about nineteen ninety, and being absolutely astonished. And suddenly there was kind of hospital tents and there was restaurants and there was clubs and there was a cinema. You yeah. know? And you just thought, what has happened? This is absolutely incredible. This is just utterly transformative.
1: The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. You were talking just then about how you
0: kept a sustained body and soul during the Wheelie Festival. And that made me think of something I was reading in the John Cooper Clark book. We're talking to John later this Which, week.
2: Which, let's say, is a master. It's fantastic. John's My book is called
0: it's I Wanna Be Yours. And I'm going to read a little bit because I want to know Mark and I have been in touch with each other. We've been reading this, it's Enjoy, enjoying enjoying it enormously. And he talks about when he was a teenager, whatever. He used to go out, and he prepared a halfway snack of my own design.
2: Oh, God, the hollowed-out loaf. (laughs) Yeah, go on, read it out, read it out. It's fantastic. he He called it a pork pie doorstep.
0: Here's the recipe. Okay, visualize this, boys and girls. Take one light white loaf unsliced. Hollow it out.
2: Place three, three pork,
0: pork, pies. pork pies and eight pickled onions into the vacant space. And
2: they're going to squash it, was it? Well, the, this is the bit I, I'm
0: fascinated by. Then flatten the whole thing out slightly it to a giant
2: sandwich. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. You take it out for the day and it keeps you going. Keeps you going. Three pork pies, eight pickled onions. <laughs> oh my oh God, God, almighty. I've decimated stomach. But that's fantastic. It's that brilliant. Book, you it's and I have so been, been exchanging little uh, notes about it all week, and it was just a couple of bits that I, I thought were just so funny. One was a bit where he says that uh, he said I'm all, he's got that kind of intonation and that kind of lilt and rhythm of a of a northern mm. club comedian, which he kind of is really, he? Yeah. And uh, he he says, uh, he says, I'm always being compared to Bob Dylan. People say to me, compared to Bob Dylan, you're <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> And just these tiny little lines that are so funny and so throwaway, he just never misses the opportunity for a gag. At one point, he goes to a hat shop in, in London and he said, Who wants to be a milliner? Yes, this guy does. He said, That's you, just lovely. it's just the, the, end of the, mile, isn't it?
0: the observation of tailoring throughout the book is absolutely astonishing. phenomenal. And it's, it, phenomenal. It, it's loads of terms I'd never heard before. It's he's obviously. He clearly has uh, sought out the company of tailors throughout his life, you know. So he knows technically every little bit. Every yeah, he talks bit. about.
2: Gra- he talks about mod suit. He talks about a thirty-eight gram suit, is not it? not it a thirty-eight gram suit? He it talks about things like
0: scooped pockets, which yeah. I, I'd never heard this before. And his description of the Beatles and the Beatles arrive is wonderful. Uh, and his his description of uh, people going and going wanting a suit like the Beatles, and about how the key feature of a Beatles suit was that it didn't have loads of the features that most conventional suits have. Oh, that's had.
2: wonderful, isn't it? It lists all the things it doesn't have. It doesn't have doesn't, a collar. It doesn't have pockets. It doesn't have pockets. Or if it does have pockets, it doesn't have the little um, flaps over the pockets. Um, it, uh, I can't remember. There's not that many uh, but Basically... Buttons. And at basically the, the tailor says if you want me to make you one of those with all those things he says, know this know that no he said with all those extras it'll be this <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> such a brilliant idea It's so funny when he talks about getting to the, the punk rock stage and he thinks well I was fine for punk rock because i had three things that, that, that was in my favor one no beard one thin lapels wasn't it and the other was thin trousers and he says that's the way he looks at it. it looks at it as a stylistic thing that's why the punk rock has embraced him Really interesting. Uh, it's fascinating. So it's, it's all about won- being a wonderful
0: read. Wonderful read. So we're looking forward to talking to him this yeah, week. Yeah. And so it goes without saying if you want to support these activities and also you want to see and hear this stuff before anybody else sees it and hears it. The thing to do is to become a, a Patreon supporter, and you can do that by going to uh patreon.com slash word in your ear. And uh, if you can't do that, the very least you can do is subscribe to this channel if you're watching it on YouTube, or if you're listening to a podcast, just leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever, because these things... They do make a difference. Who else have we talked to in the last week? We talked to Nick Hayward. My God. Nick Hayward Ta- was fantastic, wasn't he? Talking of well-preserved yeah. stars of the 80s. Uh, we, you know, we've already encountered a few during the last year. Claire, Grogan, of course. Craig Grogan, uh, Toya. Toyer, Murray Wilson, all sorts of people. But Nick Hayward, coming mean, that right in the attic.
2: Absolutely. We held up a photograph of him on the cover of Smash Hits from 1981. There he is. You know, I, I, I can't, can't remember how old he is now. 61 like or something like that. See, he he looked he 60, pretty yeah. much identical. <laughs> Grandfather three times over. He looked fantastic. But the level of preservation of some of those people is phenomenal. Susanna Hoffs, Belinda Carlisle, Roland out of Tears for Fears. Simon LeBond, Gary and Martin Kemp, they look great. There was a There was, was a picture
0: of Simon LeBon in the paper the other day, said, or on the on the internet, say, look at Simon LeBon after all these years. And they were basically expecting us to say, what a state. He looked fine. He looks fabulous. Yeah. He, looks he looks great. Absolutely. John Taylor is the one. John the, Taylor looks a bit
2: rattled. He does look a bit rattled. But then you feel sorry. I always feel sorry for those people who's who, a lot of their whole kind of persona was to do with the fact they were so fantastic looking. David yeah. Essex, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, uh, François Hardy, Debbie Harry, David sylvian When they walk into a room, there must be that element where people are thinking, my God, this was the most beautiful man in the world. Do you know what I mean? That I mean, must be well, a all terrible to carry Well, they all look great. I was Francois reminded of this
0: again, again reading John Cooper Clark's book, where he talks about, I think in 1964, the first uh, use of the word mod. He, re- he read this, yeah. didn't he? It was in a yeah. feature featuring Queen or wherever. Yeah. I can't remember. And um, and the first um, representative of this tribe was Terence Stamp. Yeah, of course, Terence Stamp. I still see regularly. on in piccadilly picking, so, picking. So
2: you saw him on the tube not long ago, and he's still I, I saw him on the liquid bus. eyes. He and, looks you know, amazing,
0: amazing, amazing. And I will tell you what, while we're talking about him, I must just tell you one thing about somebody who sadly died a, a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago. Unistubs. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. great Unistubs. Um, Started off as a kind of teenage dancer, and uh, I think went along to dance in in the young ones, the Cliff Richard film, and, and was cast as Cliff's girlfriend. I think she I was. was she was. And she then was later on, then later on, uh, you know, she was a, actually. I think I'm right in saying that. The, I, in fact, I know I'm right in saying the first pop TV program I ever saw was not Six Five Special or anything like that. It was a program called cool for cats Oh cool. Right. cool for cats which was presented by jim dale and those were in that was on that that era when when they wished to represent pop music on the television or on film it was always accompanied by loads of dancers and kind of leotards and polo necks doing kind of uh, arty shapes against uh, shadowy backgrounds. Yes. So that, was, that was the kind yeah, of yeah, shape yeah. of it. Anyway, so the thing, at cool cast. Cats yeah, relied on the dancers, and Unistub was one of the dancers. And anyway, she went on. She did all sorts of things. till do part. She was in that for years and years. She was, you know, give us a clue, all those things. Wurzel Gummidge, wasn't she? Anyway, she was. Here's the point. About a year ago, um, two years ago, I was going to the the library in St. James's Square. So I was walking down a little street towards St. James's Square. And I saw this woman coming towards me, this very chic figure, really chic figure. It was winter. She was wearing an almost ankle length, off-white Macintosh, quite fashionable cut. And she was wearing a beret and she had... Um, very distinctive, uh, black-rimmed spectacles. And as she came towards me, I thought, "My God, that's Eunice Stubbs. and I just couldn't stop my recognition showing on my face. I just smiled. she would have been thrilled, absolutely. I'm going okay, and she she smiled back, and she smiled and she said, "Good morning." Oh, and I said, "Good morning," and went past. And I thought to myself afterwards. I thought I made her day every bit as much as she Completely. made mine.
2: <laughs> Completely, because it wouldn't happen very often. And also, I, it's I, lovely when you get when you get a bit older. It's lovely to think like you you were being recognised. Absolutely, you, look, you still look rec- like the person you used to look.
0: You, you didn't look. You didn't look. Didn't she used to be Una Stubbs? I know. You know what I mean? oh, she looked, so. She looked sweet. like Una Stubbs. You in know, a, in a late 70s, early 80s, or wh- whatever she was. God, you know? she had a career.
2: When, I, when she died, I was just Googling to have a look at things that people had written about, and I came across an interview she'd done talking about her first ever job. And her first ever job was when she was 16 in 1953. She danced in a a Follie-Bergère-style musical revue called Pardon My French. Can you just imagine it? At the Prince of Wales Theatre, alongside Frankie Howard and pianist Winifred Atwell. I mean, that's great. And in this, there was a thing. I I don't know what they called them then. They were kind of nude scenes. You know what I mean? Those kind of... Tableaus. Tableaus. You you kind of froze. You couldn't couldn't move. The curtain went down. The curtain went up again. And there would be... uh, There would be uh, people there, kind of uh, with 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 nothing on, briefly, but they weren't allowed to move because that was illegal, I think. It was Lord Chamberlain.
0: The Lord Chamberlain would uh, would close down the play. And And she
2: said they did that first thing, and then the curtain went down again, and there was a kerfuffle in the audience, and a man was carried out. She said because he'd had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that is just fantastic. That's a great start to your career. That's your first. Well, well done, dear. How was your first night at work? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, showbiz.
0: Anyway, God bless her. Stubbs, yeah, yeah, She, uh, You know, she was a, a great entertainer for a long, long period of time. She was. Uh, I'd say Tom T. Hall has also shuffled off this mortal coil. This is, you know, we, I was away on a holiday for one week. And suddenly we have a load of, uh, you know, a load of people to say farewell to, don't we?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Tom T. Hall, the great country storyteller, you know, the man who wrote the Harper Valley PTA and loads of. He, he, he was—he was the master, the m- absolute master of the story song. You get yes. lots of songs that purport yes. to be stories, but don't really go to the end. And I'm going to—I'm going to go so far, Mark, as to read you my favourite. Can I do that? Oh yeah, go on. That's wonderful. Yeah, go, excellent. This is a Tom T. Hall song called "Homecoming," which you—there is a wonderful uh, CD. Actually, uh, you know, the, you know, there's loads of CDs that are done in the 90s when kind of hipster acts paid tribute to their favorite squares by doing, you know, somebody, yeah, somebody, yeah, some old, yeah. old stages songs. One of the best ones is this. It's called Real. It's called The Tom T. Hall Project. And it's got, it's got Joe Henry and, oh, got, uh, Ron Sexmith. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, um, it's got Joe Henry, the great Joe Henry does this song that I'm going to read the lyrics to. Oh, lovely, go on. Called Homecoming. Okay. I guess I should have written, Dad, to let you know that I was coming home. I've been gone so many years, I didn't realise you had a phone. I saw your cattle coming in. Boy, they're looking mighty fat and slick. I saw Fred at the service station, told me his wife is awful sick. You heard my record on the radio. Oh, well, it's just another song, but I've got a hit recorded and it will be on the market before too long. I got this ring in Mexico. No, it didn't cost me quite a bunch. When you're in the business I'm in, the people call it putting up a front. I know I've lost a little weight, and I guess I'm looking kind of pale. If you didn't know me better, Dad, you'd think I'd just gotten out of jail. No, we don't ever call them beer joints, nightclubs are the places I work. You meet a lot of people there, but no, there's no chance of getting hurt. I'm sorry I couldn't be here with you all when Mama passed away. I was on the road, and when they came and told me, it was just too late. I drove by the grave to see her. Boy, that really is a pretty stone. I'm glad that Fred and Jan are here. It's better than you being here alone. Well, I knew you were going to ask me who the lady is that's sleeping in the car. That's just a girl who works for me. She plays a pretty mean guitar. We worked in San Antone last night. She didn't even have the time to dress. She drove me down from Nashville. And to tell the truth, I guess she needs the rest. Well, Dad, i got to go. we got to dance to work in Cartersville tonight. Let me take
1: your number down. I'll call you. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Now you be good and don't be chasing all those pretty women that you know. And by the way, if you see Barbara Walker, tell her I said hello. The end.
2: Isn't oh, that? That's just lovely. <laughs> that's, it's a movie, isn't it? That's absolutely lovely. <laughs> You're trying to guess where he's been. Has he been in jail? I mean, but it's
0: also—it's also also the way he introduces dramatic things, kind of halfway through. Yeah, the mum has died, and he hasn't—he didn't Didn't come home. Funeral. You know, he didn't know he had a phone. Not in contact at all. It's—he wrote beautiful. He wrote a ton of songs like that. I and was listening to
2: a couple last night, A Week in a, in, in a Country Jail. That's a lovely song. All oh, right. right. Just talking about when is he going to get out and what has he done? You know. I'm wondering when I'm going to get my release. Later on, we've got more hot bologna, uh, but uh, eggs and gravy. And there's a lovely song he wrote, which is just just perfect. He says uh, the, the one line, which is is ain't but three things in this world that's worth a solitary dog. Oh, but old dogs and children and watermelon, and watermelon wine. wine. That's fantastic,
0: isn't it? One of my absolute favourite Tom Tail Hall songs, and Kelly Willis. Well, there's loads of people did versions of it, but I think Kelly Willis's version is best. Is called "That's How I Got to Memphis," and uh, and the opening line is, "If you love somebody enough, and it's a great." pray hope, be line if you love somebody enough you'll go where your heart says to go that's how i got to memphis oh, it, 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 honestly if you've never if you've never heard the songs of tom t hall do that today cuz the, the the riches there are just absolutely astonishing
2: and he's got no angle on it at all, has he? There's no position he's taking. They're just they're just stories. They're just they're just the And he was a he was a star, novelist, wasn't he? And a, star, a short story writer, I think. It's so beautiful. He he also, I, I realized
0: he's his wife who died a few years ago, he was married for a long time to a woman who's was, who was known as Miss Dixie, and she was herself a songwriter and kind of bluegrass artist was, But also, she's born in uh, in the West Midlands. She <laughs> She comes from, I don't know, Wolverhampton or something. And she she just ended up in, uh, you know, in Nashville in her 30s. She ended up marrying Tom T. Hall and became Miss Dixie. Anyway, God bless them both.
1: This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit.
0: Okay. Any other business? Here we are with Alex Gold. Alex, I understand
3: you've been to the dry cleaner. I have. I took my Sergeant Pepper uniform in for a bit of a spruce.
0: This is prior to you resuming your uh, previous career as a as a beetle impersonator on the ocean wave. How mm-hmm. do they respond in a dry cleaner when you turn up with a what color is your Beetle Sergeant Peppers? Suit? Yes, which
3: one is it? Is it the lettuce? It's John, so it's the bright yellow. Green one. Uh, the oh,
2: green, green, the it's green, green it's green yellow, yellow, yellow. isn't it? Yeah.
3: And uh, I, I actually said, "Prepare yourself before I open this." <laughs> That's great. Do, I mean, uh, do they assume
2: you're just going to, and uh, uh, rather expensively invested in fancy dress party? Or you then say, "No, it's, it's through this party last three job. months. It's my job. I well, am John Lennon."
3: I open the thing up, and 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 poor Sue behind the calendar goes, "Oh," like that. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, then I, I, I explain. Actually, actually, I'm taking it on tour, and. Uh, <laughs> It, it starts to make sense in her in her brain then, but uh, there is a moment of abject confusion because I don't think anybody even goes to fancy dress dudes in Sergeant Pepper outfits, you know. There's an old joke that used to tell about a
0: dry cleaner uh, that a man takes a suit to a dry cleaner in 1940, and is then before he can pick it up, he gets his call up papers. He goes through basic training. He fights in North Africa. He he invades Sicily, fights his way all through all the way up through Italy, Monte Casino, you know all this. He he ends up in in kind of in Germany, you know, when the final surrender he goes through. D everything goes back home. Pulls out the dry cleaning ticket, takes to the dry cleaner and said, "I know this is strange. I took this. Out. I brought this in in nineteen forty. Is it ready yet? It's 1944, They go, "Can you come back on Tuesday?" <laughs>
3: oh anyway never mind sorry guys it, it's still early in the morning oh dear oh uh, but dear. i did i did you might like to know that this week i I got a new moustache actually do you want to see it i got go a on, new come moustache
0: on. I'm good go on um, <laughs> he's going to his dressing up box so uh how do you get a new mustache? What happens? You order it. Do you, you, get it you, do you get it you get it on the back page. What was wrong with the old
2: one? They just wore out, or is it well, the well, wrong they, shape? They or? do.
3: So after after a little while of you know, two months of putting spirit gum on the back of it, it just becomes a bit manky and horrible. So you've got to replace them. Um so you go to beardsandmustaches.co.uk and right. uh, which is which is a beard and mustache specialist, and get one of these Zapata uh moustaches. Right. So it's basically, the one you've got to get is a sort of Mexican-style moustache. Zapata was like a Mexican... Um, yeah, mesky. revolutionary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's the tash that that works for Lennon. You've got to get it in a slightly lighter colour than your wig, apparently. Um, so I've got mine in light auburn, and it's there, if you're watching this in, in, in the visual realm... <laughs> Uh, And that's what I'll be putting on my face. With see, if the
0: the enemy was still around nowadays, some bright spark would would take out classified advertising to sell rock and roll mustaches, wouldn't they? you will be able to buy a Jeff Skunk Baxter mustache, or a, or a, a wrong Frank's male, up. wrong male, or the wrong thing. male. A, absolutely, they'd be selling yeah. out of those at the moment. they yeah. be all kinds of things like. Oh, well, we wish you the best with your with your new tash. Yeah,
2: this time in a week, you'll be on stage, won't you, in the Mediterranean somewhere doing? Well, no, uh,
3: we're sailing uh, a week today. We are sailing, um, and we are sailing, yeah. and we have a week of. There's there's a test cruise that goes on before, so. There's volunteers that will come on and we'll do, I think, one show that week. And then the first public cruise is the week after. It's a test um, cruise. A test
0: cruise. Yeah. you get people
3: who test holiday makers, do you?
0: It's like, like people who pretend to
2: be holiday makers. So do you actually sail somewhere? I mean, you leave port. I'm pretty sure we do. I don't
3: they know Do they have a night in the details. cabin making sure
2: everything works?
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the volunteers sign up to be, yeah, to be pretend passengers, I suppose, um, just to make, yeah, to make sure everything's okay um but i mean it doesn't normally happen it's happening now because of the pandemic um yeah. so i yeah. think that they're doing it more to test the protocols of sound and you know everything they've yeah. got in place to make sure everybody's safe and and can still enjoy themselves is it's working as it should um so but for us it's great because it means one show one show a week what, so, uh, <laughs>
2: what a dosser's giving you Doss. absolute <laughs> dos, isn't it it's a pile de- of old rope. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you don't even have to pack up your gear at the end of the show, do you,
2: Alex? Do you, do you have to? No,
0: do that? we
3: just we, we we shuffle. So they built an actual cavern club for us on, yeah. on the ship on Decades. So we just what, shuffle with a little
2: brick arch. I mean.
3: Yeah, it's got everything. It's it's co branded, so it's all official. It's got all the logos, the back wall, oh, every, you know, well, the, everything amazing. like that. But so we just we just shuffle three hundred yards to to the to the venue uh, without with our little costumes, um, put them on, go out. Do the gig 45 minutes, take costumes off, go back to the cabin, head to the crew bar. Happy days! It's uh, it's the stay there for three months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. oh well. my yeah, lord. yeah. Well, actually, it's three, this, this three months to new, so apparently, this time, as far as we're aware uh, at the moment, we're not going to be able to get off the ship for three months. Uh, Are you kidding me? Yeah, go.
0: that's your downside.
3: So, uh, literally, I'm, cabin fever. Ooh. It's not, it's not the worst. Place to be stranded ever. I mean, we've got a balcony each, so that's that's great. Um,
0: is that is that longer than Columbus's crew would have spent on board the Santa Maria? Oh, in there, don't, the, don't, don't in make the me think like that, Dave. That won't
3: leave my head for the whole trip <laughs> <laughs> once that seed's planted. Oh dear. well,
0: the best of luck with that. Anyway, moving on. Um, I I was uh, it was caused to think by a tweet posted by Ian Leslie on Friday night, where he said. Tell me some lesser-known Paul Simon tunes to go on a compilation. And I said, something so right. And he said, but that's really well known. And other people said the same thing, but then other people agreed with me. And anyway, he put it on the playlist. But it just made me think, how do you define nowadays really well known? Because it well, used to be quite exhibit, a simple it's thing. It's the most
2: streamed, isn't it? Because, well, it has
0: to be now. Because because... Old,
2: that was the old joke when we were at Word, is that, is that uh, you, you know, if somebody died, uh, then the newspapers, the Daily Mail, or whatever, would always mention their, their best-known record, wouldn't it? So the, the Beatles were always known as the Hey Jude hitmakers. Oh, you know? <laughs> as if, in case you didn't know, the Beatles were, oh, Hey Jude, they're the ones who did Hey Jude, you know. But that doesn't really apply anymore.
0: But nowadays it? they do Grammy award winning
2: so-and-so. That's, that's right. That's the way that they kind Which of cover themselves. That means that that's why it's worth reading about them because they're somehow important. You know?
0: But it used to be that you defined how well-known people were in terms of the number of hits they had and and the, and the amount of times their music was played on the radio. So it was the stuff that they were known by was what they played on yeah. the radio. You sort of can't do that anymore, really, you know, in, in the era of streaming. And um, it caused me to have a look on Spotify as to what are the most streamed tunes by a number of acts.
2: And some of them we talked about the Beatles one before, haven't we? Just, which is. Here comes the here sun. Comes here the comes sun. the sun. It it amazing, comes but that's no, to do Alex, with Spotify the Spotify
0: playlist. Alex the Smiths, what's the, what's the most streamed tune by the Smiths? Would like to I guess, Alex? I would say.
3: How soon is now all this charming man? It's this charming man. That's correct.
2: That's not that, surprising. Actually. That's not yeah. surprising. not that was the big, but, big yeah. opening card, was it really? So yeah. uh, Bob Dylan, Mark Allen? What's what's Bob Dylan's? Well, I think I know the answer to that. I think it's like a rolling stone. It film, is like a rolling stone. you it, it there was so many others. Again, so it's so not, not
0: surprising. But Leonard Cohen, Alex, what do you think? Surely it's ha- hallelujah. It is hallelujah. But the interesting thing about hallelujah, never a hit, was it? I no, it wasn't think. a hit,
2: and that's entirely to do with the uh, Shrek yeah. soundtrack, John Cale version. The yeah, TV, Jeff, Jeff Buckley all those. Yeah. That's,
0: I mean, that's a classic that's example what rebooted of, the, that. of that kind of afterlife of the, of the song. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ma- Michael Jackson, what is it, Alex? Would you like to guess?
3: Uh, it's got to be Beat It or... Um, it's well, the other that, one on
0: the same album. It's it the Billy, other one. It's Billy. Billy Jean. Billy Jean. Billy Jean. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say, I was slightly surprised by the next one, Genesis. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most streamed Genesis tune is? Well, it'll be one of the pop hits, won't it? It's not going to be uh, so. Giant it's, Hogweed, or no, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not. It's Invisible Touch. Um, you know, well like, that makes sense. That's I a big kind of
2: video thing, and it's a big uh, yeah.
0: Pink Floyd's oh. Wish You Were Here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what is the Rolling Stones' most streamed record tune on uh, uh, on uh, Spotify? And you know, I don't know if you even play it in your uh, when you when you appear as one of the Rolling
3: Stones. Just well, years, it ought yesterday to me, yesterday so. afternoon, actually. You were sorry. Lovely little yeah, uh, uh Saturday afternoon gig with the Stones yesterday. In a fake oh, you festival. did one yesterday. Oh, yeah, right, sandwich, amazing. Playing to a tent of about a thousand people, sandwiched between the Bon Jovi tribute. And uh, and Coldplay, um, yeah. Coldplay obviously, tribute. Obviously. You were you were Keith Richards oh, I was Keith again. Um, so did you play the
0: most uh, streamed Stone tune on Spotify, which is Paint It Black? Oh, really? That's, yes. that's, that's Why would that's that's, I I think think that's a real a surprise. That must have been that. in a film soundtrack or something, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh Randy Newman. God no. Randy Newman wrote <laughs> 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 so many wonderful songs. His top. Five songs on Spotify are all from Toy Story soundtracks. Oh wow. Uh, they've You've all, got you, a friend, you, surely. all that yeah. absolutely. All those kind of things. And but I was I, I, other surprise, one other surprise. Um, just it's a good game, you can play this, you know, on a wet on a wet afternoon. Just go on Spotify and look at the most streamed tunes. Um, Grace Jones's. What's Grace Jones's most streamed tune, Alex?
3: I- Clubbing
0: no, I no, why I said it like that. No, uh, pull up to the bumper. <laughs> no, it's not, it's La Vion Rose. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, which I was I was kind of surprised at, you know. But anyway, and this sort of ties in a bit with what we were talking to Eamon Ford about the other day, wasn't it? And Eamon's book just been published, Leaving the Building, which is about the kind of it's about rock and roll estates, musical estates, and the and the incre- increasingly huge business in in um you know, continuing to represent the the repertoire of artists after their death. And one of the points that Eamon makes is that the internet is constantly reshuffling all this stuff, isn't it? You know what I mean? And bringing different aspects of people to the fore uh, in terms of how they fit the contemporary agenda, you know? so So it's not simply... If you had hits in the 60s, they remain your big hits. Well,
2: that's the thing baby. with Here Comes the Sun, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's yeah. that people make holiday playlists to play in the car or whatever, and Here Comes the Sun's always on it. So that's completely outstripped. You yeah, it.
3: you're moving into a landscape now where uh, a lot of music's being consumed by TikTok. So sounds trend songs yeah. trend on TikTok yeah. and clips get a million views or whatever it is. And you know, that, that TikTok itself is a is a barometer of of success for the for the new generation coming through. And so that's t- going to fit in. TikTok is now bigger than radio, isn't it? Oh, ma- absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> it makes you think well, pe- pe- people, <laughs> you know, eighteen year olds don't listen to the radio. They 18. No, they don't. That's that would be
2: your primal fear if you worked that's on radio. Not a radio two or that's not what Radio 1 saying. But... No, no, absolutely.
0: <laughs> We see radio. This is the, historically the huge problem of Radio One is that it's hugely important to the BBC in terms of justifying the license fee because it brings on, it ought to traditionally bring on board the next generation, the 13, 14, 15 year olds. It's increasingly not the case. They've moved they? on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. So it has a very, and so radio, radio One is always charged with getting in the new people. And whenever it comes along with new figures, it always tries to spin them as "look, we got loads of young people," and I'm not so sure that they are. Really. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what else have we got to talk about? Have we got a new Patreon, Patreon supporters, Alex? Yes, we do. Um,
3: and they are Alex Cameron. Hello, for Alex. Alex
2: Cameron. Welcome aboard.
0: He sounds like a he's like, he or she sounds like a sound chap. Chapper. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Guy stinky or girl. Scottish, yeah. yes.
3: Roy Levy. Roy! Hello, Roy. Very nice to, you to have you, Roy. Work. Patrick
0: Lovell. Thank right. you. Pat, uh, nice to have you here, Patrick. Mr. Todd
3: Taylor, no less. Oh, oh, Todd, Todd Taylor! Taylor. Yeah, okay, really again? Very sweet
2: in his uh, publicity for his word in your article.
0: I yes, which it was, we did. We did in, uh, uh, Promoting that. It. That appeared in the last week or so, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: which is a, an
0: extraordinary listen, watch. Yes,
3: carry on. Paul Tucker. Paul, Good hello, work. Paul. Nice to have you work. on board. Thank you, Paul. John McKay.
2: John. Oh, wow, Johnny McKay, probably. X-Mash It, could be him. Oh, could be. It McKee McKee there McKay was,
0: There Wasn't there a John McKay in uh, Susie and the Banshee? Yeah,
3: I think there might be. It's they M-A-C-K-A-Y, if that's,
0: if that's... Oh, no, that's Yeah, that was the one, one. <laughs> in Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, it was. Do you remember when they... two? I think I'm right in saying this. I, I say this a lot in podcasts. I think I'm right in saying. Um,
2: do you remember when those two left Susan the Two members of the Banshees, what they did, if I remember rightly, was they, they made... They made their beds to look as though there was a sleeping person in them. Am I right? Yes. They, they put all their clothes in the bed and stuffed themselves full of pillows. Or whatever, and disappeared. And sneaked out through a window went off. In the middle and, of a tour. I mean, it was in the middle of a tour. I mean, just, just kind of something out of a, you know, Tom Brown's school days or just William book or something. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Nobody talks about that anymore. No, they don't. No. no. Well, we have done. Anyway, any more, Alex? One more, yes. Simon Slighthome. Simon Sligh- Very Sligh- good. Slighthome. Good. Well, nice good to man. have Welcome you all on board today. If you'd like to join them, as I said, Patreon.com slash word in your ear. Don't forget to like this podcast or subscribe to this stream. I've got some uh, I, I've got some questions from the massive. Oh go on. far away. And, good. Uh Fun. and uh Uh, Blue Mountain asked the question. I'm just going to issue a personal reply to Blue Mountain here. Yes, it would be impolite. Okay. James Wilkinson. (laughs) I want to know. I'll tell you later. Uh, James Wilkinson says, new way is just new ways to sell old albums. You might be interested in this, Alex. How much would you pay to go into a studio and put your vocals or guitar or drums onto the backing tapes of a classic? He says he'd love to have a go at Elvis Costello's Imperial Bedroom. Can you do that? Any in
3: any what shape? What a lovely
2: of idea! That's a kind of very exalted kind of karaoke, really, isn't it? It, it is but a
3: great probably, idea. Yeah, go on. I'm sure there's all kinds of um, rights-based hoops you'd have to jump through with the copyright owners. No, sure. No, they,
0: the copyright owner would have to, you know, agree. They'd have to advance it as just but another a way to use their music.
2: It's, it's good a good idea.
0: It's a very good idea. It's a good idea, James. We don't know the answer, but it's a good idea. John Dredge says, "Looking,
2: <laughs> looking. Where did it all go wrong?" <laughs> oh my God! As in the 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 girls' magazine of well, four it wasn't, years it, wasn't ago? it wasn't it wasn't so much girls, was it?
0: I like to feel that actually, well, all magazines, comics, whatever, they all have their their time. But I like to feel that the uh, that looking was. Uh, that Smash is rather ushered looking towards the exit. Because, you know, the the emphasis on kids moved from TV programmes to pop music at that time. (coughs) It moved from cartoons to um, song
2: lyrics and posters. It was fantastically old-fashioned,
0: wasn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, So Neil Lomax is an interesting question. Cherry Red Records, recent bizarre choices for album box set reissues. Debbie Gibson and Sonya getting the Deluxe Expanded Treatment. She says, am I being a music snob or is there still a big fan base for this? Well, I've got an answer for this, actually, Neil. Shall I go first? Sure. The answer might be yes and yes, actually. (laughs) You might be a bit of a music snob, but so am I. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, And there will be a market. But guess I know a little bit about this reissues market. Because they, they they know really well who buys the, the stuff that they put out. They don't put out anything on spec. They know where there's market. Because the interesting thing about the record market generally and the reissues market, because here you're talking about physical product, you know, box sets or, you know, compilation CDs or whatever. How are the overwhelming majority of them sold online? They're not in shops, you know. So you... you you can, you've got your customer there. You've got them in the crosshairs. You can see what people bought before. You'll be able to see what they're likely to buy next. You know, So they're not, you know, used to be, there was a huge amount of wastage in the days of uh, standard record shops. And they put out a reissue and there would be no copies in the shop at this end of town and 10 copies in the shop at the other end of town. And so putting the customer together with the product was very hard to do. It's not hard to do anymore at all because it's done online.
2: So Debbie Gibson deserves an audience, doesn't she? Well, yeah. I I mean, everybody deserves an audience. No, to be be fair, yeah.
0: I I think it's just saying, are people interested in that level of detail? Well, clearly some people are. Uh, Andy Turner says, what's the best opening track on a debut album? After all these years, is it still I Saw Her Standing There? The answer is yes.
2: (laughs) I think it is. Uh, well, that's it's settled that then. I don't, don't think that was move, a long debate.
0: Movefield. Move, move on, uh, and uh, uh, what else have I got? Yes, uh, poppies from a tray says morbid. I know, but the passing of Don Everly, which was announced overnight, made me think of the coming fa- passing of all sixties legend. Well, come, we'll come to the back to that in a second, actually, because Phil Turner also says Don Everly's passing, betting without the Beatles, Everly Brothers, arguably. The most influential act of all time. Oh, it's, it's an oh, argument. That's interesting. It's an argument. I, it I is. Well, their
2: harmonies, isn't it? I always say Buddy Holly, but you know. I, you, you, but there's there's an irony that you know it was groups like the Beatles that, that 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 kicked them out of the door really, and yet borrowed so much in terms of their harmonies so much. and their and their songwriting. You know,
0: and also people like Simon Garfunkel. Oh, completely. Yes,
2: with the Evelyn Brothers.
0: Yeah. Uh, I tell you what's another interesting thing. Uh, uh, that we sent you off with a tip to listen to Tom T. Hall if you've never done it. The other thing I'd like to add is that is that Pete Townsend used to be a big fan of the albums that the Everly Brothers made for Warner Brothers in the mid-60s. Is one called? I can't remember what they're called. Um, they're on Warner Brothers, and they, they made them in Hollywood. And they and the Who used to do some Everly Brothers songs. The Who did Ferris Wheel or things like that. I can't remember. Love is certainly
2: they did do some. Yeah,
0: and they did some, and and those records, which were never big hits, they're fantastic records, really good. So yes, hugely influential. Uh Phil uh, certainly. You can have an argument about the most influential act of all time, but I think that's a valid candidate. And going back to Poppy's from a tray, it says, what's the music world going to look like when it's surviving wise old heads aren't Macca, Joni and Dylan, but Captain Sensible and Simon LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, there's, uh, there's no answer to that, really. Uh, and, uh, oh, yes, Alan was asking about... Um, how come it took Genesis so long to get round to the idea of Phil Collins replacing Peter Gabriel when Peter Gabriel left the band?
2: Did he ever advertise the fact that he wanted to be the singer? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he sang beautifully. He sang backing vocals and all that. But, I mean, I don't think he ever said, you know, showed any any desperate urge to get out from behind the traps, did he? I don't know. Possibly or was not. he just too shy to put his bat in the ring? Well,
0: I think also it's probably one of those things that, you know, Gabriel leaves, and Gabriel was the star by Completed some distance, star. wasn't he? And and so you go out looking for a potential. I mean, you can't replace a lead
2: singer like that, can you? You
0: know, they're bound to be a disappointment.
2: They <laughs> must. That's true. They must have been looking for a kind of Gabriel and sound you, or lookalike. And then, then you realise there's just it. no point in getting somebody's third best. Why don't we just get something completely different? Well, they, they also they probably thought
0: we don't have to get anybody at all. We just keep going and you know if it works it works yeah and it did and if it doesn't work well okay we in yeah. six months time and we get a singer or something you well, know? i suppose yeah. you
3: know when you've got someone who's uh, you know with, with as big an impact as peter gabriel leaving it's it's not the replacement is not an obvious choice whichever way you go is it you know it's it's not it's not something you just snap in to go all right boys I've got it. This is who we're going to go with. No, no, no. I don't remember ever thinking they'd
2: survive. Actually, I can remember. Did you think that they might get over that hurdle? I I never did.
0: No, but I mean, it's yeah. They they just they had, and they still have because don't forget they're probably still supposed to be touring when. uh, when this bloody war is over, they have unbelievable staying power,
2: don't they? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think anybody predicted that. And an that unbelievable catalogue of hits as well. Oh, I mean, they have now. God, yeah. They have now. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely incredible.
0: Um, so. Uh, Paul Murray says, "If we accept the proposition that 1971 was the Annis Mirabilis, I didn't say for music, uh, Paul. I said for the wrong love for the play, long playing play record. Play, uh, when what what year can we ascribe the term Annus Mirabilis to? I'll happily volunteer any year between 1980
2: and 1983. Oh, I, don't, I think you've found oh, it. Oh, not at all. No, no, oh, no, 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 my no, God, no, no, no. no. <coughs> I think you like that lot." And Dexies. yeah, a good well, jam
0: 1982. And, uh, a lot of people would yeah, say, absolutely. were they
2: uh, They're fantastic? Your rhythmics, there was just some, a lot of really good records, human league, incredible stuff.
3: So, I don't know, well, you're be wrong. wrong. Well, can yeah. I suggest 1997, which was uh, when Britpop went wrong? Surely <laughs> that's got to be a contender, <laughs> okay? Um, how did it go wrong? Remind me, well, Oasis released Be Here Now, which is an album that lasted for about two weeks, oh, and, yeah, yeah, um. It was it was it was not good, and uh, well, it basically spoiled the whole of music. Really, that was the point at which music, yeah. um, music became sullied and ruined. And I, I would suggest 1997 was spoiled The,
2: that music the, the, the year it, that wrecked rock. And it's the, and an then a, then it,
0: interesting point actually, because you know, the, the, if you look at the high point of, of of the music business in terms of profit, that was the early 90s. Yeah, because CDs were coming out in in huge quantities, selling in immense numbers uh, at really high prices. And then they just kind of overdid it. Everybody overdid it. And Be Here Now is the classic example of overdoing it, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But didn't See that coincide what? in
2: 1997 with the arrival of illegal file sharing? Because that's when it all, all, it the, all started. LimeWire started, stuff started then, didn't it? Started, so, started, started, started. So suddenly yeah. there was not only records that people didn't want overpriced, but a massive opportunity to go and get them for nothing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you're
2: right. That was the beginning of the end.
1: This podcast was brought to you by The Word.